Mark chapter 4 is our text. Here it is as you get over there. And again, Jesus began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. The whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, uh, behold, the sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, uh, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. The other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirty-fold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones that are by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones who are sown on the good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought uh, to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, that it should come to light. Excuse me, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. When the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Then Jesus said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him, uh, they took him along in the, bo- in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, 
Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Uh, so far in Mark, everything has been pretty Jesus-specific. It's been Jesus coming, Jesus speaking, Jesus healing, Jesus calling, Jesus interacting uh, with people. But this chapter now turns the focus sort of outward in message. It directs the attention on how individuals, including us as readers this morning, are going to respond to the word of God which is being shared with us and what our lives are actually going to be about and the choices that we make. What happens here is that we start getting these parables that Jesus would share with people who came out to hear him. As we've seen so far and already in the three chapters, just all the time, multitudes, huge numbers of people are coming to hear Jesus speak, and he would share the word with them. Now, while parables have intrinsic value because they relate a spiritual truth through a, a simple story, they were a form that were specifically used by Christ in order to elicit a response from people who actually wanted to know more and receive understanding. And so that, that's why Jesus spoke in parables often. He says it right in here. He says, I, I'm doing this so that people who actually want to follow after me will come and follow up and ask me what this is all about. Because already Jesus is pointing out that a life of discipleship isn't just a life of hearing things. It, it, you know, everybody can hear things. The whole multitude heard what Jesus taught. Uh, the life of discipleship is about responding to what God is calling us to do. And so, again, you know, many, many multiplied thousands of people heard Jesus teach and they saw what he did. But that didn't make them disciples. It didn't make them disciples at all. Following up and following after Jesus is what made a person a disciple. In the same way, we as people and readers that Mark is kind of throwing this kind of stuff at us now, we hear the word of God. But if that word doesn't take root in our lives, if we don't accept it and respond to it, then there's going to be no fruit, and that seed that God has shared with us is going to be spoiled, as it were. Um, Jesus explains this in the first part of the passage, in the, in the parable of the sower there, as he's explaining what it means and how to interpret parables and what they're all about. He says there in verse 20, These are the ones who are sown on the good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. And so in Jesus' mind, as he's explaining all of this stuff, the purpose of life was to hear the word that God is sharing with people, accept the word, and then bear fruit. That's God's plan. That's the pattern uh, that, that he has instituted for people who want to live a life of discipleship. That is the work of the kingdom. He reiterates it several times using different analogies. Like in verses 21 through 25, he talks about our lives being like a lamp. And the purpose of the lamp is to be used and to shine light and to be exposed, not hidden away. Um, that's a simple thought. And so what we discover here is that Jesus Christ thought and taught that it was completely expected that a believer would hear God's word, would accept God's word, and would actually bear fruit in their lives because of God's word. If our lives aren't in that pattern right now, if we as Christians and as people who want to follow after the Lord, if we take a look within and find out our lives are not in that pattern, then we are either turning away like many in the multitude did when they heard God's word. We'll, you know, we come to God's word and then we don't let it sink in. We don't let it take root. We just we hear it and turn away and go elsewhere, uh, not accepting it. We're not accepting what the Lord is saying to us. Or the other problem could be that the soil of our hearts has been polluted in some way or another. Maybe we want to accept the word, but you know there's no depth there, or there's 
thorns there, the cares of this world, and the sun comes out and scorches us. And so there's a couple of different pitfalls that we can avoid. The pattern set before us and the thing that seemed normal and natural and expected from Jesus Christ is one is a pattern of a person hearing, accepting, and bearing fruit. Now, hearing is easy. Everybody hears. I mean, multitudes of people heard. We're hearing right now. You know, uh, uh, you know, every time we open the Bible, every time we gather together, I mean, hearing the word is easy. The Lord sends out his word throughout the whole world, throughout all time. Um, but the accepting is up to us. And then we need to understand that God's word is continually being sown into our hearts. It's not just a one-time thing that happens for conversion. You know, the Lord's not just sowing his word and his will into our lives just for that moment of salvation, that moment of conversion. But God's word is continually being sown into our hearts. Uh, God intends a continual sowing, a continual growing, a continual harvesting for our lives. All sorts of different fruits, all sorts of different crops, each fruit in its season the Bible talks about. And the process of sanctification and bearing spiritual fruit should be evident to us and to those around us, just like a lamp being put on a pedestal. It's something that you can see, something that you can witness. When you go outside, if you have fruit trees at your house, you go outside and you say, okay, yeah, the leaves are starting to come back now because winter is over. And we have a fig tree out in our backyard and we see tiny little fig buds starting to develop there. We look at them and we'll go out in a few weeks and we'll see that they're bigger. And we'll go a few weeks after that, we'll see that they're starting to turn that nice black color that you know they need to be. And then there's all of this outward evident evidence that shows us, yeah, fruit is being produced. And that is the analogy by which God uh, uh, illustrates what our lives are supposed to be all about. That's what Christ considered to be normal, the natural byproduct of Christianity. Because God's purpose is, is the purpose of his work in our lives is to be a lamp that shines brightly, is to be a fruitful tree bringing forth you know, fruit in its season. God wants to bring revelation of himself through our relationship with him for the people of the earth. But many who heard God's word weren't interested in actually accepting God's word. And that certainly can happen to us as well. And so if we come to the Bible or come to church or hear God, uh, hear what God is speaking to us in some way or another, but then fail to see that as an opportunity to gain understanding or gain insight for life, then what we're doing is doing what the multitude did and and failing to accept what we're hearing. And, And then now we've broken that pattern that the Lord intends for the Christian life, hear, accept, bear fruit. So Jesus comes to us and brings wisdom. He brings understanding. He brings spiritual knowledge. But then he waits to reveal those things in our lives. He waits to reveal for those who are actually interested in them. People who are actually believe that spiritual fruit is important. And so, you know, all throughout the Gospels and all throughout the Bible, and you see that there are different people who, who perhaps, you know, would call on the name of the Lord, but some of them are interested in spiritual fruit and spiritual things, and some of them just are not. And, and we certainly want to be in one of those groups. But then we get to the end of the chapter here, and we see that while we're talking about these spiritual things and spiritual fruit and all that kind of stuff, those things are also meant to be extremely practical. Jesus demonstrates for us that the spiritual life is the most important thing. It is the essential thing. That all the stuff that he's been talking about in these four chapters aren't, uh, they're, they're not just about some philosophical discussion you might have, you know, or some intellectual discussion you might have in a church somewhere, you know. Uh, It's not just a doctrinal issue. It's not just some sort of theoretical issue. His relationship with us is meant to be an encompassing and permeating thing that actually does something in our physical lives. 
because the guys are there on the boat and the storm arises and they panic and, and, and you know, we know that story. And what Jesus comes and says to them, he says, where's your faith? You don't have faith right now. What's going on here? Because God's word is not just a bunch of spiritual platitudes. It's not just a, a metaphysical thing that we refer to when we're you know, pontificating about eternity and, and stuff like that. Jesus felt, he thought and taught, that the life of discipleship was meant to work out in the physical world as well. As God's people were acceptive of the word and then bore fruit of that word and then lived out a life of faith. As we are confident in what the Lord is actually doing, understanding that, man, the Lord has a plan for my life. Here's the plan that he's laid out in his word. Here's what the Spirit is telling me to do. So I have faith and confidence that I'm walking where I'm supposed to be walking. And if a storm happens, what do I care? Jesus is with me, and I'm, I'm going with him. And so we see all of this condensed into one chapter, and it really boils down to uh, for us this morning in this way. We have heard the word. I mean, we're hearing the word right now. We read a, a passage of Mark. Uh, in fact, we continually hear the word as we read our Bibles, as we gather together, as we turn on Christian radio and all that stuff, as the Spirit ministers to us in our hearts. So what are we going to do with that word that we've heard? What are we going to do with that seed that the Lord is right now casting into our lives? The difference between the disciples and the multitude was that the disciples followed up on what God had said to them. They understood that there was more going on than Jesus just telling a story. They accepted what he said, and that seed of Scripture began f bearing fruit in their lives. That was the natural Christian life. And as they heard Jesus teach again and heard the word again, they received seed again, and more fruit had started being born in their lives. Now, as is illustrated in that one parable, God takes care of the growth. You know, he says, hey, the kingdom of God, a man scatters seed, he goes to bed, the fruit starts to grow. God takes care of the growth. They just had to be faithful to receive the word and keep their hearts in a pattern that was undefiled and unpolluted by those things which seek to choke out the word of God. But then they were to take what God was doing in their spiritual lives and those things that he was sharing to them from, their, from the word and actually apply it and live it out in a, in a life of faith and in a life of confidence. That's what Jesus wanted to define them as individual, that fruit. That work that he was doing. Their lives were meant to be defined by faith and confidence in the work and the word of God. Uh, that's what is going on here in this chapter. So the question is, will we respond to the word? Are we going to accept it and bear spiritual fruit? And then will we live a life of faith as God reveals himself through us? That's what the normal Christian life is meant to be. So often what we perceive as normal is the multitude. People who gathered together, they heard Jesus, but then they just went about on their lives. That, you know, maybe they talked about what a great, you know, story he told and those sorts of things, but it didn't make a difference in their lives because they weren't really accepting it and they weren't really letting it take root. They didn't really receive the real wisdom and the understanding and the application that God was trying to get across to them. It's not normal to be a fruitless Christian. That's what I hope we take away from this this morning. In fact, that is a defective life in the mind of Christ. The Christian life without spiritual fruit is like a candle under a basket. That's what Jesus says. It's a seed that doesn't grow. It's not normal. It's broken. And so Mark has turned this ministry on Jesus on us in this chapter, and he challenges us to not only be people who take initiative and go to God's word for understanding and for wisdom and all of that, but then to be people who live with real faith in what God's plan is for us. The plan is clear. The roles are clear. The opportunities are there for us, and so what we must do is take up this call to faith and to fruitfulness and allow the Lord to overcome those pollutants that are in our hearts.
to overcome the fear we may have and actually bring a harvest in our lives. It's all there laid out for us. We just have to accept and bear fruit by the Spirit. So good luck.